Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to It's Rainmaking Time. I'm Kim Greenhouse, and at the close of December 2022, this is a commentary for you to enjoy, to think about things, to ponder about resolution, renaissance of the spirit, healing, and the wonder and marvel of the human spirit. I've decided, after watching six hours of the Harry and Meghan Netflix special, documentary series, and the interview with Oprah Winfrey that took place earlier, that I have some things I want to put out in the public to for contemplation, for regeneration, for healing, and for deep public inquiry and critical thinking. I don't have a, uh, I don't have any uh, stake in this. I'm not involved with any of the people that are in this dilemma and series of dilemmas. I am saying this from how I'm guided to communicate with you, and I hope you enjoy it. First of all, I need to say a few things that are very important to frame this conversation. Number one, for those of you that are not aware of quantum physics, that are not aware of the fact now that what we observe, we impact. If you don't know that, and you don't know that even when you're an observer, how you observe something impacts what happens to it, the way it is and isn't, and has a causal connection to it. You may or may not understand all of what I'm about to say. So I want to invite those of you that are unfamiliar with quantum physics to look at the area on observation. Secondly, we're all human. We all have unfinished business with people, places, things, and even lifetimes. Not all of what's happening that we're seeing in today's time being expressed by Harry and Meghan and through conduits of the royal family have to do with today, have to do with modern times, have to do with the events that are perceived and experienced by all the different parties. And so if you look at what's happening and what's being expressed as if you're just seeing someone's version or people's version of their experience, it's valid. Their translation of events is valid. It may not be the totality of what's happening or what really happened. And by the way, I'm not excusing anything on any, on any of the sides, and I'm not trying to take a side. So know that my view is what we're hearing without getting into the details of he said, she said, and they said, and this really happened and that really happened and the slugging it out of that in the interior of all the families. I'm going to say some things that I think are worthy of public contemplation and deep thought. Number one, my position on racism, right off the bat. As a young tournament tennis player, one of my doubles partners was Diane Morrison, Afro-American, black, whatever you want to call the person, skin color. We played doubles together 
we walked in to the Los Angeles Tennis Club, who at that time, and I don't know about now, was not real happy with Afro-American people, didn't allow them to become members of the club, and didn't particularly like Jewish people either. So when we got together, we were kind of excited, and so was my mother, Joanne Greenhouse, that we were A, showing up, giving a presence, and going in there to kick butt. Because we didn't like it. We didn't like that people were excluded from a club because of their race, their ethnicity, their religion, etc. Also, I'm very proud to say <laughs> I was one of the first probably young white girls at an OJ's concert at age 10. Tickets provided by Dee Williams at the time and Otis Smith, who used to manage uh, Shaka Khan, or maybe was an agent, manager, etc. So I was a lover of this music. I've always been a lover of this music from the Ohio Players, Tower of Power, go on. I mean, you might as well call me black. So I don't want to hear from any of you, okay, that what I'm about to disclose and share as a teaching that I'm racist, because I won't have it, okay? I just won't have it. Also, when I was very, very young, uh, I don't know how young I was, whether I was four or five, my mother had called somebody in to help with the house, and the woman's name was Leola. And Leola was washing my hair, and he had to really bend over this, this sink. It was really, and he'd stand on a stool, bend over the sink. And she was the sweetest woman. She used to help us. And after she washed my, or while I was still in the sink, I said to Leola, how come your skin is dark and mine isn't? And my mother must have heard it and was embarrassed. And she said, Kim, because that's the way God made her. And so I just want you to know the innocence of a child asking that question and not understanding it, not understanding like, how come you got this and I got that? in our skin color, and it's not just, you're not just tan, your skin color's different, is innocence. It's innocence. And that innocence needs to be okay. We're different. We come out different. Some of us has really dark skin. Some of us has mulatto skin. Some of us has pale skin like me. And I want you to know that in, in, in speaking about this, I will not accept any of you that call me a racist for what I'm about to say to you or tell me I have white privilege or anything of the sort, okay? My life lived is evidence I'm not, okay? And I love people from all over the world and every culture and background imaginable, okay? So here's what I want to say first of all. The first thing off the bat, I want to say something about this unconscious bias statement. We all have unconscious bias about everything. Everything. I mean everything. About gays, about trans, about blacks, about Mexicans, about Persians, about Africans, about this group, 
and that group and this network and that culture. We all have it. Jews. Many of you have an unconscious bias about Jews. That doesn't mean you dislike me because I come from a Jewish family. So that that is used by Harry and Meghan and promoted is, to me, a mistake. It's not a mistake mentioning that it exists. It's a mistake continuing to mention and push it and inflame it and magnify it as if it's wrong. Not all unconscious bias, like unconscious bias, one plus X equals Y. To use it as an expression of causality is improper. You're just fanning the flames of ancient and modern wounding about race. Okay? And I want you all to consider that whatever we do, whether it's race, whether it's religion, whether it's sexuality, sexual preference, we all have unconscious bias about everything and every group and experiences. There are some people that may say, oh, you're a pedophile because, you know, you've been with someone of the same gender. Or you hate God because you've been with someone of the same gender. Or you're anathema to God because you've been with someone of the same gender. Or you're a Jew, so you're cheap. Or you're a Jew, so you're greedy. Or you're a Jew, so you control all industries. Unconscious bias. See what I'm saying? Or you're white. You have white privilege in everything. Let's talk about white privilege. Let's talk about it. Let's suppose it's true that there's white privilege. There's also male privilege. Think about that. There's male privilege in the world. Think about it. And then you want to go into white male privilege. And this group has this privilege. And Jews have this privilege. Unconscious bias. Are there some truths to some of this? Sure. Does that mean everybody's impugned? Everybody is a poisonous pill? Everybody is wrong and bad? Because they, they were born into this family of these traditions, of this skin color, and went to these schools? or lived in that place, how many people are being tarnished through this kind of dialogue? So I want to offer up the fact that having this dialogue, this accusation, this rhetoric, is, creates a magnetic field of distaste, dislike, disharmony, discord. And that if you participate in it over and over and over and over, you're part of it too. You're creating discord. You want to talk about hate speech? Forget hate speech for a minute. We'll get to that. You're part of a magnetic field of inducing discord where there A doesn't have to be and B isn't. Now, if you're trying to wake people up about unconscious bias, do it constructively. Don't keep harping it, creating a magnetic field, getting everybody all upset, getting everybody 
to to be spewing all their unfinished business with the world, with events, with history, with this, with that. Don't promote it. Don't magnify it. Don't push it as an agenda. Speak it in a way without making it the cause of everything. Because we all have unconscious bias, all of us, myself included. So that's the first thing I would say to Harry and Meghan. I would say, drop it. Drop it already. Whatever is motivating you to push this, you're pushing it in a way that's destructive, not constructive. You get hundreds and millions and billions of people angry at other hundreds and millions and billions of people and you're infuriated and feeling victimized. You're not helping. You're flaming a fa- the, fa- the flame of wounding generational and existing modern wounding. And I'm asking you to cut it out. Stop it. We get it. People get it. But the way you're interacting with it is engendering more upset, more suffering, more wounding, more discord, more disunity, disharmony. You're not helping people. You're not helping people the way you think when you harp on that. Okay, so I just want to say to you, first of all, the the Netflix series was beautifully shot as a documentary. I love the colors, the texture, love the sound quality. A lot of it was was done well. Now, I'm going to say something else. I am not denying the private personal experience, unfinished business and suffering of Harry and Meghan. I am not denying a single thing they said and felt. I affirm what they felt, okay? What I am not affirming is their conversation about what they felt and where causality comes from. And if you don't make the distinction between causality and correlation, you can be in for a lot of suffering and problems. There's correlation. And there's causation, very different universes of what is underneath something showing up. So I want to say that um, it felt to me, I asked the question, what was I left with after this documentary series? It felt like an agenda to prove, however nicely it was shot and produced and Music was great and and all that. It felt like an agenda to say and to impugn the royal family with being racist. Okay, now, there's no question that through history, royalty in general has not welcomed people of different ethnicities. All right? That existed And that may exist at a deep level today, but that does not mean that because there was any type of history that was never drawn attention to, that specifically this was a race issue with Megan. First of all, she doesn't even look black to me. I never knew she came from a mixed race family, never until I read about it. So. Though the royal family is preoccupied with bloodlines, 
totally preoccupied with it at a level of molecular detail. It's clear to me if they really were racist, that marriage would have been totally prevented from happening somehow, some way. It would have been stopped. And there's no way Charles would have walked her down the aisle, whatever was the schism with her family. There's no way that level of celebration would have happened. There's no way the queen would have received her the way that she did. And so I'm not buying the racist causation rhetoric. I'm not buying it. And I don't think it's necessary to keep saying it. I do think the racist issue is being thrown into the mix as the cause. And I think we all have to take a step back and say, it can't be just the cause. The events don't show that it was the cause. Is the, the paparazzi, is the media, the news stations, the papers, have they violated her? Yes, they have. They violated Kate too. They violated Diana like there was no tomorrow. Is there heartlessness about her? Maybe they don't like her, period. It has nothing to do with her skin or her ethnicity, her mixed raceness. Maybe they don't like her. Maybe they think she's a Hollywood snob. Maybe they think she's a fake. Maybe they don't like the fact that she's American. We don't know. What's the real underlining stuff there? Maybe they don't like it that Harry you know, ended up with an American who influenced him to come to the United States and leave Britain. There's so many particles to this. There's so many elements to this. And to, to put down the media like Harry and Meghan are not interesting and exciting to cover is wrong. Of course they're exciting to cover. Diana's son, one of her sons, married an American woman, okay, and who's in Hollywood or was in the, is in the entertainment business and for whatever reason influenced him to leave Britain. And we understand that Harry explained in the documentary why they had to leave. And, and of course, Megan explained too. But to put it all to race and then have Tyler Perry come on and, you know, great that he offered up his home and befriended them and was there for them. That's great. But to now make this a race thing and that Oprah came in and made it a race thing and got Harry to tell a part of a story, but not then not to reveal who did what and leave everybody horrified He's full of rage. And I'm not saying he doesn't have a right to have rage. And so is she. But when you think about it, what was left in the space? Impugning that family. Impugning all of them. I mean, it just poisoned everything. You know? And so I understand that there's a lot between Harry and the royal family, and the crown, and the administration of what can and can't happen, including whether brothers will take the call, father will take the call, etc. It's complicated. 
And he probably was left without last, you know, this was his last resort. Okay. They wanted to say it and they had had it with the media and he stood up. I really think suing this paper or that paper was not just about him, not just about standing up for his wife, but standing up for his mother, standing up for his mother who took it and took it and took it and took it. And from his point of view, the paparazzi caused this, which by the way, I don't believe the paparazzi caused this in a million years. But if you want to believe that, that's fine. Was the paparazzi involved? Yes. Were there more layers to this? Was it more complex? Yes, it was. Am I going to talk about it? No. You can do your own research, see where you're at. It's not my, it's not my, my thing to battle. But what I can tell you is you can blame the paparazzi on everything. Okay. Certain events are what they are. His mother was harassed and invaded and violated incessantly by the paparazzi and the news and the media and the papers. So I really feel he stood up for all of it. Megan, he stood up for his mother, stood up for himself. And this was his way to do everything he could to put an end to this. Now, in so doing, how did he do it? Did he put an end to it? Not really. Not really. Because it has to do with the way it was done and what was left in the public mind. What was left in the public mind? The monarchy and the way the monarchy has functioned since its inception is its own thing. It's its own organism. I am clear that Meghan was briefed not only by Harry, but by people within the royal family and within the monarchy about what she, what was going to be expected of her, what life was going to be, et cetera. And the truth is, so I don't believe that she wasn't briefed. She was briefed, clearly briefed on everything, including how to, I think she had a briefing at the, uh, in, the in uh, Pasadena, California, with a very prominent person to even show her how to do tea, how to have a cup of tea. So Megan, on that one, I'm sorry, but I, I think either the events made you forget or, you know, you're saying that you weren't briefed about how to be and, you know, you didn't know about it. But I, I don't agree with you on that. I think you were. And through a series of events, I just think you suffered a lot. It, it killed your spirit. It killed your creativity. And um, you couldn't live in it. And you couldn't be in it and you couldn't stay in your marriage in it. And that's what induced leaving and Harry and you leaving the country. As for the family disputes, um, the, the dilemma is once the media is involved in all these component parts of families fighting, it's kind of like chum to sharks. You keep giving them chum and they're going to chew and chew and chew until everything's gone. I don't think at this point, after the six-part series, after the Oprah interview, that healing is possible between the families. I think the potential for healing was just finished off in the six-part series. I think the six-part series was the groundwork of issues and agendas and callings 
that Harry and Meghan have, uh, of which their new foundational front is established. And when I say front, I mean their, their new foundation. Uh, not their structural foundation, their legal foundation, but the foundation for their lives. Um, and um, uh, so I, I, I'm not, I don't see it happening. The way that this has been done and the amount of money made doing it and the way it was communicated in the documentary series, I think they have at this time put a nail in the coffin of potential healing. Now, saying that, and this is obviously before the book comes out. And by the way, I've listened to hundreds of interviews and commentaries about them, the family, the whole bit, what everybody thinks from Megan Kelly, Piers Morgan, this one, that one, Australia, you know, New Zealand, this, all, all these different takes on it. Hurt her friends, hurt her enemies, the whole bit. Did, do I accept that she wanted to kill herself or that she wished she were dead? I accept that. If she says that, I accept that. But so have I. By the way, there was a time in my life when I left tournament tennis. I threw out 100 and, I don't know, 26 trophies in the trash. I had my, almost my spirit broken when I walked away from it. There were some things that were going on in my family where I didn't want to be around anymore. So I get it. I get it, what it's like to have your spirit crushed. This was many years ago. And, uh, but Megan knew going in that this family was extremely conservative, uh, a, a social inflexibility, very tight, tight in the visceral sense, in the vibrational sense. Not a lot of space and breathing room socially. That certain things were uh, very uncomfortable for them. You know, when you adapt to a certain way of being for a long time, it becomes you. So the fact that she met Kate in ripped jeans and then went to hug her, you know, come on. Why did you meet her in ripped jeans when you know who they are? You know, why would you do that? So I think that they went in to excited about a modern day transformation of the monarch. And they were excited to potentiate it. Great. Great. <laughs> you want to potentiate a new translation of marriage? of sexuality, of the history of traditions, better humble yourself because things don't change overnight. Nothing wrong with having the ambition to do it, but how it's done matters. How things are communicated matters. And when you have a rank and file set up in the family like that, in traditions like that, between who gets to walk in front of who first. And you have a focus on bloodlines. 
It's like trying to get rid of the caste system in India right now. It's deeply, 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 deeply embedded in everything, including theories of, you know, afterlife. So I think it was unwise to pursue that like you had the right to pursue it and to not accept the resistance that you got to not tolerate the resistance that you got. You didn't tolerate it. You couldn't tolerate it. I get it. Because it was an ocean that you were breathing in, living in, swimming in, that was completely the antithesis of everything you were about and are about. I get it. No breathing room in there. Okay. And I appreciated Harry talking about how we tried and they tried and tried to be a hybrid relationship with the crown and the royals, the royal family, and that it wasn't accepted. Okay. Now, I want to say this. I'm not getting in the middle of the whole thing, but I am bringing in some, some things I think are important. Prince Harry would not be Prince Harry if he were not born into the royal family. He would be Harry. He wouldn't have a door open to him, money coming his way, offers and deals. It's because he was part of the royal family that and lived in it and was Princess Diana's son and Charles's son and the Queen's grandson that this is happening. Let's tell it like it is. So to want to fight and keep the titles is unwise. You're not living there anymore. They're not going to let you transform it to anything unless they want it a certain way. You're not in line for the kind of power that you wanted and didn't get. Talking to you, Harry. I want to invite you to walk away from your titles. Your title as Prince Harry. Let it go. Don't use it anymore. Make all of your conditions for any talks that you do. Not introducing you as Prince Harry. Stop using it. If you want to be sovereign and free, and I believe you do, walk away from your title. Give it. Don't make your father extracted from you. Walk away from your title. Stop using the royal title. You're using the whole thing as entree to everything you are and about. I'm not saying walk away from your history. Your history is what your history is. But you are not Prince Harry anymore. You are not. Be Harry Mountbatten. That's who you are. Stop using Prince. The very thing that has caused you so much grief, so much suffering, so much unhappiness, so much conflict, you're using on the other side to open all the doors for you, all the contracts, all the this, all, the, all of that. Don't allow people to call you Prince Harry anymore. And when you do that, 
You free yourself. Finish it. Finish it. And if the family later in life invites you to participate in events and there's a healing over the next X number of years, then go. Give up your title. You will be truly free. Stop using it. Willingly give it up. Require everybody, and I mean everybody that introduces you, that talks about you in the media, to refer to you as Harry Mountbatten. And I promise you, you will have a freedom, the likes of which you will not believe. Because you're half in and half out. You're still using them and using this and using your position and your aristocratic title as part of who you are. You can do it. And you can do all the other things you want to do. I invite you to stop using that title. Free yourself from the whole thing. Don't require your father to extract it. And don't keep putting him in a terrible position and poisoning the well, the potential of your family having a healing with you, all of you. And God knows what you're going to say in the book. I don't even know what that is, but I want to invite you to drop the title. I'm going to make you a bet. If you do that and you stick with it, you do not show up anywhere. That's the deal in contract. Nobody calls you Prince Harry anymore. It's over. Let it go. Stop using it. Stop using your elite birthright to open doors for you. People want to hear from you. They're going to introduce you as Harry Mountbatten. And Megan, encourage your husband to do this. You don't need the titles. You have a voice. Let the titles go. And I want to invite both of you to stop bringing in all the celebrities that are engendering this racist attack and hurting people by continuing to source into the wounding of not only this, but past generations as well. I'm Kim Greenhouse. I want to wish you all a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah, and uh, a warm healing embrace into 2023. It's rainmaking time. Thank you very much. Here we go.